hey, everyone wants to dominate a niche because, after all, if you're on the go, if you're the go-to authority in a specific niche, you can literally write your own ticket. The sky is really the limit when you own your niche. The problem is there are so many Me Too brands out there that it becomes a bit flustered and it becomes a bit frustrating for customers and consumers to make selections when they're in a crunch. So they tend to go with the convenience, you know, who's cheaper, who's closer, who's faster, who's easier. And sometimes an entrepreneur will talk themselves out of a niche for the opposite reason. They hear that the chatter that nobody else is doing this, the time to educate the consumers is untested, it's too new, and if we all sat back and we let all that gloom and doom talk get into our heads, we'd never innovate, let alone launch anything. Business is a great deal of trial and error, and the only way to learn is if you will decide that you want to get out there and test the market. Just get out and do it. Entrepreneurs put themselves on the limb every day. Those that try and fail and learn from the failure live to fight another day and introduce another product. Look at Elon Musk of Tesla. People thought he was insane trying to build these electric cars. Well, guess what? There's now a market for it. He never gave up, even as competition joined the field. Ask yourself two questions. What can I offer that is unique to my audience or my clients and or at least offer it better, process it better, options are better, the outcome is better, and what will it cost me not to bring this idea to the market, and can I afford that? Today, my guest, Marilyn Smolenski of Nickel and Lace, and I will be talking about how to strategically bring your idea to market, set the standard for the category, and dominate your niche. Marilyn Smolinski is a founder and president of Nickel and Lace, a women's concealed carry company. She is the USCCA's affiliate as well as a consultant for their women's community concealed carry fashion event. In addition, Marilyn is an NRA certified range safety officer, a lot, a mouthful, and a guest speaker for various women's events. Hi, Marilyn. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm excited to have you here. We have a lot to talk about. For those of you who are listening and don't know, Marilyn and I have already had a conversation offline, and we just had such a great conversation. So I cannot wait to get into this topic with her for you guys on here. So definitely. <laughs> so those of you on Periscope, tune in, take notes. First 10 minutes, after 10 minutes, we're shutting it down, and you have to listen on Blog Talk Radio or catch the replay on the blog at mobilechicks.com slash blog. Now, I firmly believe that, one, everyone can differentiate their company. They put in the work to make their niche uniquely their own, and there's room for improvement in all categories. But how do you choose to niche yourself and how you create the strategy to win consumers must first come from understanding your niche and being unafraid to take risks. And Marilyn is the personification of that, of those, both of those talking points. So, Marilyn, let's first start off with tell people a little bit about what Nickel and Lace is and how it came to be. So, Nickel and Lace is a shapewear biggest foundation garment for underneath your clothing. And it is a shapewear. I also have a new camisole out of the market. That's oh, cool. Uh, in, uh, around the Black Friday 
basement. I'm really excited about that. Um, so basically, you put it on underneath your clothing, okay. and you can conceal lots of different items. If you're in the city, like here in Chicago, where you can't necessarily carry a firearm, you can conceal um, your money, mm-hmm. your key, your ID, your credit card, you know, things like that on your person if you're scared of maybe either being mugged, having mm-hmm. someone take those items from you, or if you just don't feel like carrying a purse, you're going to be in a large crowd. Um, and also, I, I did design this for concealed carry for a self-compact firearm. Okay. So that's kind of that's the base of, of Nicola Lake. Now what that started was um, I'm from the South, I'm from the Deep South. We talked about this before. You're in mm-hmm. Florida, you've been in Atlanta. Well, I was raised in Louisiana, Texas, and a lot of family in Arkansas is deeply southern rooted. Uh, firearms are a part of our our family and mm-hmm. part of our culture. Uh, hunting and uh, self defense and, and all of those things. Uh, so I was very comfortable with firearms. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to Chicago 14 years ago, I want to say, it was illegal to store your own firearms, even if they were legally owned, mm-hmm. in your residence, in your home. So I was unable to bring my firearms with me. And I was already intimidated mm-hmm. by this city. I didn't know much about it. It's very large. There are a lot of things about crime. Um, I, was, I was just like, oh, I can't have my firearm with me in my home for self-defense should there be a break-in or you know, something like that. How am I going to defend myself as a single, mo- as a single mother? Okay. Um, so uh, after my husband and I married, and uh, it was going to become legal to have a firearm, uh, as you said, uh, you really have to know your niche market. You have to know that that market. So I started taking classes on safety in the home, how to properly start to store your firearm, mm-hmm. how to store them when you have children in the home. Um, also, just how to react if you have that kind of um, home invasion or you know something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so took those classes, and I decided there was nothing out there for me in the form of a holster. Mm-hmm. So I decided to make one just simply for myself. After I think that I had girlfriends of mine, because I had lots of female police officers that I knew here in the area, and they were like, oh, make one for me, because when I'm undercover, I don't have a good concealment holster. And again, this was in 2011, so this is before the boom of the market. So... So, yeah, I just started making it for friends and working and improving by testing with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, and there's always, that's how it usually happens. It's things that are born out of necessity. And they ended up yeah. end up becoming these categories of these niche markets. And, I mean, you're, you're doing it. There's really not much competition out there for this category. And the fact that you are, expanding into other product lines, I think that further will further solidify your foothold in this market. And it's a smart move. And sometimes people are afraid of that. They get caught up in, and I don't know if you guys, and you guys watching on Periscope, watch Shark Tank, where they say, you're a product, you're not a company yet. And they get so stuck on that one product that they kind of talk themselves out of their niche market. But you seem to be going in a direction where you're getting add-on or, or complementary items, complementary products that will keep your foothold in there. It's kind of like how we talked about 
with the City Girl brand, with, with the shapers and, and the people that come out with the different shaper lines, and now you just don't have um, Sarah, Sarah Blakely's Spanx. She just doesn't have the regular Spanx anymore. She has Spanx, she has active wear, she has bras, she has the, the leggings. So she didn't keep herself narrowly focused into just the Spanx which is a godsend, but she diversified. And I think that that is the key to making sure that you have a foothold in your niche. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. She made sure that people knew her for her main product first, and then she started to expand. So I'm not trying to jump into a ton of other products right away. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'm trying to get that foothold first. So, right. you know, I made this product in 2011. I launched it in 2012. I slowly, you know, grew that first year. And then by 30 and 50% growth since then. And, uh, and it's, it's amazing the growth that I've had, but I'm just now kind of getting into, you know, my other, my other products. And, and, it, and again, it's not that long of a period. It, it's only been uh, four years, but I'm, I'm in now. I'm on my third product after four years, and I do. But they're all on the same page. You know, they they all are still the shapewear based foundations. They're just um, different. I'd say different styles of them for different women uh, figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do plan to do just like what Sarah Blakely did and and branch out and do different types. I just want to make sure everyone knows me for what I'm doing first and then I start to match out. So. Right, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Let's let's move into the first point. Now, I believe that in order to get a foothold into your niche, you have to be able to identify where there's lack, areas where there's improvement, room for improvement, and then ways that you can connect the dots to make sure that you are not just a Me Too brand. So talk a little bit about how – you were able to identify, I mean, you gave your personal story about what you couldn't find for yourself, but what made you get to the point where you said, okay, this, there's a need for this, and, and what, what's missing? What is missing, and what gives me the advantage that makes me the person to bring this to market? Right. So there were lots of companies making things for women, but they weren't on, like, typically on body care. Uh, we always call the shrink and sink it factor mm-hmm. <laughs> in our industry mm-hmm. because I don't own firearm dealers as well as uh, holster makers were literally just making items smaller and making them pink and marketing them to the female market. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't grabbing anyone. We mm-hmm. were like, okay, yes, it's cute and it's pink, but is it functional? No. So I saw the need to have something that in a woman's body because we are so much different than men. Mm-hmm. And also how to make it functional, not necessarily just cute or pretty. Um, also, there was a on-body shirt on the market, uh, and it was a unisex shirt, but it was high neck, and um, you could either get it in sleeveless, but it came up almost like a cap sleeve, mm-hmm. or it was short sleeve. Uh, and the holster pockets on it were much different than mine. It's not even, you know, comparable. But there was a garment on the market. It was just made more for man, like I said, it was unisex. Mm-hmm. So there was, again, like I said, there was either the shrink and pink factor on one side, or on the other side, there was something that was more made for a man's body. You could just get it by small for a lady. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's nothing really out there. And, and that's why I came up with, okay, I got to develop something, not just for myself, but then once my friends started saying to me, man, I really like this, why don't you do X, Y, and Z, that way it would work well for me. Mm-hmm. So 
how it how it works, and uh, I got a great response from it. So uh, at first from just the, the police community, from the firearms community, mm-hmm. and then gradually from uh, women who just wanted to get into the military for
to approach them with a business plan and say, hi, this is what I'm doing. This is the potential. And this is where I think it's going to go. And would you like to invest and, right. and be a partner with me? And so I was very grateful that my parents actually said, sure, yeah, we'd love that, and, and jumped in and helped me. And that's really where um, we decided, okay, go bigger, go home. Okay. And we actually made a much larger investment um, and, and went much bigger, and, and, and it worked. Right. And it worked me so we were very excited yeah yeah well I like to call it go big or go homeless is what I like to say to people. <laughs> in some cases it is go big or go homeless you got to go all for all out for it but you raise a very good point um and I want to stress this to my audience uh a lot of people say take the risk jump out there get on a limb go try you know try and fail to see blah 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 but I like the fact that you said you had a business plan now, I admittedly, publicly, a lot of times, my first company, I told people I didn't have a written business plan. My business plan was up in my head. So do I regret it now? No, because I did see a lot of success. But looking back now, I could have saved myself a lot of time on some things, but I look at them as chalking up to learning lessons that I had to learn along the way. But if I had that written plan, it would have helped me. And I think when we're talking about risk, and the level of risk in any investment with investors, angel investors, VC investors, or even friends and family, they want to see that you plan this out. They want to know that you are serious about this, and having that written business plan is key. You have to have that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. They want to see your projections. They mm-hmm. want to see how much money you're allocating where, um, how you plan to advertise yourself. Have you already done your due diligence and mm-hmm. done all your research on um, just simply UPC codes if you're going to be selling in stores? Um, have you even checked to see if your name is not already taken as, as a registered trademark, you know, or your logo, or uh, even um, as simple as, as a website? Have you even got on and researched this stuff? Some people just want to, like, jump out there and, hey, give me money and let me start this going, and, but it kind of does the very basics of business first mm-hmm. or done our research on it that we show, you know, this is what I'm going to do. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's just important to show that plan to your family or your friends if you're going to start there with investment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just important to show them because they don't want to just be like, uh, uh, this is my 401k money, you know, oh, yeah. what am I going to do with if your business fails? How am I going to make
location of certain vendors or manufacturers, or they don't, not necessarily check on it, but they don't stay in contact and, and continue the lines of communication with them. What would you tell someone, maybe a young inventor or someone coming up with the next thing or, or whatever, what would you tell them about running into these obstacles and these roadblocks, uh, appointment of having a vendor or a partner or someone just fail on you or, or disappoint you? How, how would you keep them motivated? Well, I don't know if I'm motivated, but I'll tell you what I was told by several of my friends who are in business whenever I was like, oh, thinking about what happened to me in business. Mm -hmm. Welcome to business. Mm -hmm. to everyone. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of whether it's going to be your business partner or a manufacturer or uh, anyone. Mm -hmm. um, something along the line is going to happen. Something's going to trip you up. You know, think about your life in general. Does yeah. everything just fall, you know, into place as you planned it, you know, since you were a little girl? No, of course not. Mm -hmm. um, think about your wedding day. You know, does everything – no, your bride still is because everything is going on. Oh, I'm so sorry. My puppy is – everyone, I just want to apologize. I have a little puppy yesterday <laughs> yesterday. She's not feeling very well. are very familiar with Jose Cuervo, so they, they're forgiving. Oh. be presenting a learning experience for the vendor 
for them to try different things, for them to experiment and try different ways to work with their customers. What our session today we were talking about was customer experience in, in our class earlier, but you have to look at alternative ways and you have to be open and communicative so that they know what your experience is and that they can custom your around that so that you have a better experience with them going forward. So I'm glad you did bring that up as far as that. You know, and this is that I really think it's important to share your
community here of designers. And we, uh, I met by going to numerous uh, runway shows mm-hmm. and fashion events and, and things like that. Uh, they're put on on a regular basis. But being in LA or New York, you know, uh, we've got some wonderful, wonderful places here and uh, and artists. And uh, so I, you know, I also knew this is this is kind of funny. My son and my friend Judy's son were best friends in elementary school. Mm-hmm. One day I, I told Judy my idea was what I'm planning on doing it. She told me, and I did not know, that she was a VP at Playboy at the time when they were here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So she also had designer contacts. And I started working with one of the women at from Playboy who mm-hmm. was <laughs> who was a lead designer there. Mm-hmm. And I brought my idea to her. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I don't know how to draw this out. This is my idea in my head. This is my crude drawing. I bought a sewing machine. I sewed this little sample. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way I can take this little crude sample, this little crude drawing, and take this to a manufacturer and say, hey, guys, here, make this for me. I don't know how to make a pattern. So you may, you, once you build those relationships, again, network, network, network. You never know where a really good contact is going to come from. So um, just reaching out and talking to people about what you want to do and what your plans are can be huge to bring into your life. So I was able to work with this designer and have her help me to build all the necessities that I needed to bring my product to a manufacturer to then um, create my initial products. So that's kind of how I brought the two together. And then as you know, uh, which some other people may not know, um, I also do fashion events and fashion shows, which I combine some of the local designers with some of our local holster makers and with my um, holster garment as well. And we show women how they can do everyday dress as well as evening wear dress mm-hmm. and hide an item of self-defense on their person. So I just kind of brought all of these industries together and and mixed them, the non-traditional and the traditional, and just kind of, you know, brought them together where I really didn't see that happening before. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, what's important, what's really key about what you said is the fact that you started with not, you came in at a disadvantage, some would consider a disadvantage because you didn't have that design experience, but the sheer fact that you fostered relationships you communicated with people, you reached out to people, um, you made yourself available for different events and kind of got involved with the volunteer side of things. All of this stuff factors in, and I think a lot of people, uh, entrepreneurs think black or white. I have to either know this or know that. I have to either do this or do that. You have to believe in, you have to start somewhere. Let's say that. You have to start somewhere, and you have to be able to be comfortable in articulating your ideas to people because you never know, as, as you pointed out, you never know who knows who, and you never know what background someone else brings to the table. And you have to not be afraid to open yourself up for assistance. And that's the best leverage that you can have is that vulnerability and the openness to want to accept and receive help from other people and acknowledge the fact that, hey, I don't know everything. I'm still learning, and I'm open to learn. And when you put forth that energy to people, people are more in, in, inclined to want to help you to get to that next level. So very, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was very, very important, important point. Yeah. 
they needed someone to help them. And mm-hmm. what did I do? I showed up and mm-hmm. um, I modeled at one event, which I was not comfortable with doing, but I, I did it anyway. I got it all on the runway. Um, I worked their table. Um, and my events as well, I donated the majority of our, uh, you know, our funds have gone back to charitable donations. And so, um, yeah, it helps. Mm-hmm. It definitely helps in donating your time and helping those people so that whenever you're in need, they're going to come back and say, okay, what do you need? I'm here to help you. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, 
comes out, I think January 9th, I believe the book comes out, but she is, excuse me, the all-knowing queen empress of networking, and you guys need to get that book, order it now. Follow her on Twitter, follow her on Instagram, all over. She takes you literally into her world as she talks to female entrepreneurs all over the world. So J.K. Hoey, or Kelly Hoey, let her know that I sent you. And make sure you tune in for our next show for Mobile Chicks. And if you haven't joined Mobile Chicks yet, it is so exciting. It's a movement. It's not. It's, it's, it's beyond the program. It is a movement, and we are grooming the next wave of female-founded companies who are worthy and ready and who really probably won't even need us. I'm through with them. Ready for investment from VC and angel investors. We're trying to change the conversation. We don't want to – we already know that women – fall behind in getting funding. We don't want to harp on that. We want to show you that there are women out there who are worthy, that are building incredible companies, such as our guest, Marilyn Lucia, Nicole and all the wonderful companies that are already part of MogulChip. So go to MogulChip.com, and we'll be back next week for our next interview. And remember this, a MogulChip is always a step ahead. They're always prepared and they always close deals. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Adrian Graham, your CEO and founder, and I will be back with you next week. So take care. Bye.